One of the many contributing factors as to why physical therapists don't think like this because their education models don't foster it. And that's what I've really strived to do within my institution to thread and be super intentional in bringing up the conversation around social terms of health, health behaviors, and, and how that stuff impacts patient care. Welcome to Orthostatic, the podcast of the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy. Uh, I'm James Spencer, the Vice President of the Academy, and today I will be talking with Patrick Berner, who is the founder of PT in the Community, uh, which is now a, a, a charitable organization within the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy. Uh, Patrick and I will be talking about some of the events coming up at CSM in Boston in February uh, that are being put on by PT in the Community. Uh, where, where you can join some service efforts to Boston's uh, community while we're there. Uh, Patrick and I also be talking about uh, some health promotion and wellness activities going on throughout ABTA. And, and eventually we'll, we'll wrap up with a conversation about some of the challenges that PT business owners uh, can find between being accessible to their whole communities and also uh, trying to run a profitable business. So uh, I hope you enjoy our conversation and I hope after this episode, you'll come back soon for a lot of future episodes. Thanks. Hi, welcome to one of the very first episodes of Orthostatic, the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy's podcast. Um, today we have with us Patrick Berner, who wears a lot of different hats. Uh, he's an assistant professor at the South College. Uh, he's uh, executive director of PT in the Community. He's a delegate with APTA South Carolina. He's a CAPT reviewer and panel member. Uh, and he's on the steering committee of APTA's Health Promotion and Wellness Council. Um, he has a mission, and that mission is to uh, enhance patient-centered care and to, uh, well, I got it here somewhere, Patrick. So we're just going to read through it because I don't want to mess up what your mission is. That's an important <laughs> thing. Um, hey, you know what? I've got you right here. What, what would you say your mission is? Oh man, are we gonna put me on the on the spot after I let's get right down to the brass tacks. Yeah, so uh, I appreciate having me on. Um, it, it's an honor to kind of come on as as the first um, interviewee for, for the for the podcast. So again, appreciate it. Uh, I would say personally and professionally, right, my mission is to to really enhance uh, physical therapy practice with a greater emphasis on uh, patient centered care. And, and knowing that there's a variety of ways to, to do that, whether it's in your clinic or in your community. Great. Thank you. And I, and I know, you know, I want to get right down to, to talking about the work that you're doing in the academy with PT in the community, um, which you started on your own, uh, basically as a, as a ragtag guy with a U-Haul truck at, at CSM. Uh, would you mind telling us a little bit about, about what it is that you're doing with PT in the community and where it came from and, and where it is now? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the, the idea originated um, in CSM New Orleans 2018. So it was myself, F. Scott Thiel, and Jerry Durham were, were at CSM. And we had another colleague who was local to the city who had a fundraising event uh, at, his, at his kid's middle school. And if I remember correctly, it's probably in the, in the seventh ward. Uh, so it was, it was in New Orleans and probably about 20 minutes or so from the convention center. But we ended up leaving and going to this fundraiser, which was a chili cook-off, right? So we ate, we drank, 
they had Zydeco dancers and music, and, and it was a really good time. And it just dawned on us that why are we not doing stuff like this when we go to local cities for these conferences, right? Why are we not finding a way to give back to the people that live there? Because if you think about it, CSM, you know, pre-COVID, and of course, getting back to those numbers, you bring 15,000, 17,000 people to a city, and all you really do is benefit the hospitality industry, right? The restaurants, the bars, and the hotels benefit, but what about the people that actually live there? So that's where the, the idea originated from, was trying to figure out how to give back, specifically to those underserved and disadvantaged um, individuals that live in those local communities that we visit. So that's where the idea started. Uh, it was a grassroots initiative that, that kicked off with a few of us kind of throwing money in a GoFundMe page. And um, our, our first kind of on the boots experience was at CSM in DC, where we had thrown together some funds, put together some care packages and, and walked the streets of DC and, and handed them out to people that were experiencing homelessness and, and bought some food, bought some coffee, had some interesting conversations. And it was, it was certainly eye-opening. And from there, things just kind of took off. And, you know, again, our emphasis is those individuals that are um, underserved or disadvantaged in, in whatever way, and really try to find out what the true local need is in those communities. And that's varied significantly as we've gone through a number of CSMs thus far, right? So our populations that we're, we're targeting coming up in Boston are a little bit different than the populations that we targeted when we were in San Diego earlier this year. And it's one of my biggest um, things is always trying to, again, serve the true local need and, and finding out what that need is and not trying to come in and tell people what they need or, you know, offer people what the skill and expertise is of, 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 you know, that we have is trying to figure out what they actually would benefit from, which is different city to city. Yeah. So, so let me, let me interrupt for a second. You, um, you basically saw an opportunity for these huge physical therapy conferences that we bring to bring to places. Um, you know, Denver, I think was our peak around 18,000 physical therapists, PTAs and students, um, descending, on Denver, and uh, and we're starting to look at numbers that are close to that post COVID as we return to Boston in February this year. Um, and, and you saw an opportunity for us to help. And you talk about like meeting the local needs. Um, how how do you determine what the needs are in a in a community? How you go go about doing that? Yeah, so it's it's getting in touch with locals, right, and having those conversations. Uh, so before every CSM, I kind of do a, a little bit of a community needs assessment where you know, I look at the demographics um, of that local community that's within kind of like a 20 minute radius of the convention center, uh, ideally. Uh, so looking at those demographics, looking at some various health outcomes, you know, it's really doing a true community needs assessment as you would do uh, back home. Again, trying to find out what, um, what those demographics are, what access to resources look like, um, what potential barriers are, and then really trying to identify the organizations that already exist that are trying to fulfill those needs. Uh, because it's easier for us to come in and partner and, and lift up those organizations that are already doing the work and supporting them, whether it's with resources or manpower, uh, to continue doing the work that they do. Uh, so it's, it's just diving in and 
you know, I've, I've been successful in the past of, of finding that local clinician or a local academician to, to partner with, right? So, or, or even a state chapter, you know, and that's what's been great about Massachusetts is working with APTA Mass and, and their leadership has been awesome. And they've, they've done a lot of the lifting coming from Boston. Um, and it, it's, you know, Camille Powers, they're the chair of the DEI uh, committee. Uh, for that chapter has been doing a lot of heavy lifting, but again, it's, it's getting to the locals and, and finding out what they know and just letting them run with it. Yeah. What, so what did you find as needs in Boston? And, and I know, um, you know, we're recording this in the, the end of November. Um, and I know things are still coming together for Boston. You're still figuring it out, but, but what do you like, what kind of things are you going to be doing on the ground in Boston? Yeah. So we've got a lot of, you know, and I guess the follow-up question before I even let you answer that is, is, you know, then like, what can people do to, to help with it? You know, how can, how can they be involved in it? Yeah, hundred percent. So things are certainly coming together. I had another good phone call yesterday um, with a leader of another organization locally. So what we've identified uh, for Boston is again, there's a need for um, helping those that are experiencing homelessness. And we find that in every major city that we visit, right? So we've partnered with some local shelters where we're going to be putting together, as usual, various care packages uh, for them, right? So hygiene kits, meal kits. Um, so that's going to be some opportunities on site during CSM is being able to, to partake in putting together those kits, uh, which we then you know, send over to the shelters to, um, for them to distribute to, to people that utilize their services. Um, with that same organization, we'll be doing some volunteer opportunities on site, some breakfast serving uh, that Thursday and Friday. We've got some scheduled slots that are going to be coming for that. Uh, we'll also be potentially uh, mass uh, making some PB&Js as well. Uh, so it might be another on-site activity. Uh, and again, to, to fuel those individuals that utilize um, this particular organization's services. Uh, so that's just one, again, serving the people experiencing homelessness. Uh, there's another organization that serves that same population that is specific to women, and it's a women's day shelter. And we'll be doing a similar thing and putting together kits for them. But one other thing we're trying to facilitate is they've just recently started kind of a, a, a wellness program within their facilities and likely going to be the opportunity to be putting on some, some women's health some pelvic health seminars um, for those individuals uh, on either Thursday or Friday of CSM. Uh, so kind of a different take that we've not done in the past, uh, again, specific to that pelvic health uh, conversation, bringing in the, the PT expertise to share with these individuals. Uh, so that should be exciting. There's uh, opportunity that's coming together with the Boston school system. Um, so Boston public schools where I've been in contact with um, the head physical therapists that, that serve a lot of their schools. And what we'll likely be doing is some on-site activities with the schools that they serve, uh, getting in front of kids, getting in front of middle school, high schoolers, talking about the profession of PT, uh, but then also just having fun and trying to fill some of their equipment and supply needs. Uh, what I found fascinating is that these physical therapists that work in the school system there, they get allocated, um, I think it was something like 200 bucks for the year to cover all of the supplies and equipment that they could possibly need 
to provide physical therapy services to, to kids in these schools, right? So trying to help improve uh, access to resources there is, is one of our targets. Uh, the other thing that came up was the lack of continuing education for some of those school PTs. Uh, so in, in working with APT Mass, trying to figure out how we can provide them with some continuing education specific to the pediatric population, um, just because that, again, lack of resources for them to have access to Con Ed. Uh, so that's the school system uh, opportunities. Uh, the other thing that we've really uncovered that's been unique for Boston is the population of people experiencing substance abuse um, and, and complications that come with that. So to target that, what we're, what we're doing is there's a national organization, uh, the name of course is not going to come to me right now, but there's a national organization that trains individuals in how to administer Narcan. And what they do is they train people to then train people how to administer Narcan. Uh, so what we're doing in working with APTA Massachusetts is that um, the state chapter has identified leaders within the state that we are gonna um, facilitate training of these individuals that they can then go back to their local districts and train other physical therapists in how to administer Narcan. Um, the other thing we'll be doing in association with that is during expo hours, during unopposed time at the APTA Massachusetts um, booth, we'll be doing quick 15, 20 minute trainings on how to administer Narcan um, in the field. Right. And, and we're working on right now some some supplies and resources to help facilitate that so that people can can actually get some um, some Narcan sprays and stuff that they can have on hand if needed. Uh, but then providing other information and resources that people can go to online to to get supplies um, for stuff. So that that addresses, again, people experiencing um, substance abuse. Um, I've got two more because I know it feels like I'm ranting, but there's a lot going on for Boston. <laughs> hey, let me go, hold yeah. those two for a second because like, yeah. I, I wanted to, to kind of hone in on something. I mean, it, like, you know, it, in the past, it, it seems like at least from my view of, of PT in the community, you, you've brought in supplies, you've done kind of these like these one off activities with people. But but this Narcan training kind of to me looks like a little bit of a pivot where you're you're training people to train people which is leaving a little bit more of a lasting impact than, than us just kind of like hitting the conference, you know, conference hits a city, we do whatever good we can while we're on the ground and then we're out. Um, is that, I mean, yeah. is that a focus of it? It is. So that's a big part of PT in the community. That's something that we're striving to, to facilitate. And it's honestly one of the most difficult parts, but the most interesting and fun from my perspective is the, the sustainability piece. And that being how can we, um, create relationships, create local relationships, give a little bit of a boost to those initially, but then there's something that continues after the fact, you know, after we leave. We experienced a little bit of that in San Diego where we had partnered with the San Diego district of CPTA, so the, the California uh, chapter, where we had worked with a couple organizations where we bought a supplies equipment for and the local district actually went back a couple times after CSM and redid some education sessions and some stuff after the fact. So that relationship was was created and, and is continuing to grow. So yeah, with the Narcan training stuff, that's that's a piece of the sustainability in that trying to, again, to create relationships, create some type of structure that there's continued engagement after the fact. And 
with working with the the Boston public schools and even some of these shelters, that's something that we're trying to facilitate as well. You know, Boston's great in that they've got a number of physical therapy schools. So it's trying to tap into that student population as well to continue the conversation and exposure, right? To continue volunteer opportunities, to continue going in and doing educational sessions or screenings or what have you, you know, on a, on a quarterly basis or something. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. I think that's such an important part of it is, is the leading the impact to continue working even after our big, our big bolus of, of PTs, PTAs and students has, has left the city. Um, now, yeah. if, I, if I didn't derail you too far, um, what, what were the two other things that you wanted to mention that are going on at this CSM? Yeah. So the other one is that we are working with a, a senior living facility and on Valentine's Day, which is the Wednesday, we'll be doing uh, health and um, health and fall screenings with them. So we're, we're kind of linking it up with their Valentine's Day party. So we're going to be kind of a part of that and, and really promoting good heart health and, and movement uh, while also doing some health and fall screening uh, for them. So that's going to be happening on, on that Wednesday. Uh, so that's exciting. Uh, we, we've done stuff like that in the past. We did it in San Diego, uh, but we've never had it linked up with like a, a facility party which means that more people are going to be attending because there's going to be activities and food and, and stuff going on. So that'll be uh, kind of fun. And then the last thing that that's in the works right now is working with, um, uh, which hospital is it? I always forget. I think it's Mass General. You're from Boston, right? Is that a hospital there? That's a hospital in Boston. That's a hospital there. So that, one of, I'm, one pretty sure cool. I'm pretty sure it's, I'm pretty sure it's them. Um, but they're working right now with the convention center to get some logistics figured out so that we can do another on-site blood drive uh, that would be scheduled for Thursday and Friday. Uh, so the biggest thing is, of course, finding out where you can park a bus uh, that day. So there'll be a blood drive Thursday and Friday. You know, we'll either have it parked at the convention center or go to our secondary option of having it at one of the, the neighboring hotels, uh, but working and getting that set up as well. All right. I mean, there's a lot going on. So we're going to have it. Um, we're going to have all these events up on the um, Ortho Academy site, um, orthopt.org. We'll have it there somewhere. Will this stuff be in the, the APTA uh, main program too? Um, yeah. So we're looking to, to get that information out. Uh, we've got several um, academies or sections as our supporters for this year. Um, so, uh, of course, AOPT, but then also other academies and sections will be getting that information out as well, um, you know, through the through the main website, which you can direct link to the page, ptinthecommunity.org. Uh, we'll, we'll direct link you to where we live within AOPT. All right. All right. Well, and so so all those events will be out there in the, the various schedules. And I know I know, like for me, I feel like CSM has just become this this kind of unmissable event in PT where there's just all this stuff going on, right? Like there's the formal programming that goes on for the whole three and change days. Um, but then there's also all this stuff like happening in the, in the margins. And I know I like, I've got my eye on like one day for me where I don't have a whole lot of extracurriculars planned. And like I, I plan on jumping in with some PT in the community stuff and, and getting involved in some of these projects. And, and I know like these things do not happen without manpower on the ground. So, uh, so it's another another option, one of one of many to to get involved in uh, in in different things while you're at CSM, and and I you know I think specifically to get involved in the community that we're at. 
and and you know i want i do want to like pivot to some of the other work you're doing um but but to kind of put a bow on pt in the community i know um this stuff does not happen without donations and funds and uh and uh what's the best way for for people to to give and contribute yeah so pt in the community.org like i said we'll we'll direct you to our, our main website page um and on there there's the the donate now button um so any any donations that are taken from here on out through CSM uh, in Boston are allocated directly to our efforts in Boston. Um, you know, earlier uh, this year for San Diego, we had raised just over twenty six thousand. Uh, so the hopes for Boston is to to get us close to thirty or thirty five, and and find a way to reallocate those funds to our current local partners, which right now is I think up to to eight different local organizations that we'll be working with. Cool. Very cool. Being, you know, being one of the first episodes we're recording here, uh, I, I don't know how all this stuff will come out to people and, and all of that, but we'll make sure a link um, to donations and to the schedules and to all that stuff uh, accompanies this episode somehow. Um, but, you know, like I said at the top, you're, you're a man of, of many hats. Um, yeah. Talk to me about the Health Promotion and Wellness Council. And, and what is that? What are you guys doing? What, uh, what goes on there? Oh, man. So I'll, I'll give you... Um, other information that's happened, that's in the works right now too. So kind of a sneak peek. <clears throat> so the, you know, the health promotion wellness council with APTA was something that was formed, um, back in 2018, right? I, I think that was a busy year for me of, of trying to find ways to get involved. Uh, so we formed the council back in 2018. In, in all honesty, I don't think APTA's board of directors knew what a council was back then or, or what to expect from it. Um, so we just started doing our own thing. Um, and, and really trying to link like-minded people from across the country. And that being clinicians, students, uh, academicians that understand patient-centered care and that components of health promotion, wellness, population health, social determinants of health, all of that stuff matter, right? It, it's not just the pain that a person is experiencing in their knee. There's a much larger um, piece of it happening, right? There's There's the, the individual health behaviors that impact what they're experiencing, but then there's the environment that they live in impacting what they experience, right? So trying to link those like-minded people. And when the council first came out, there was a lot of stuff that was going on behind the scenes that were, you know, that was happening because of council membership, uh, but really wasn't getting kind of the recognition necessary um, or, you know, just wasn't linked back to it, which is perfectly fine. Uh, but if you look within the realm of health promotion, wellness, population health, there's been a lot of stuff that's been produced over the last several years. Uh, there's been, you know, uh, peer-reviewed articles, uh, peer-reviewed publications on on nutrition, on on sleep, on mental health. There's been position statements through the House of Delegates that have been pushed through. There's been, you know, updates to the annual PT visit form. There's been task force that have really pushed for an improved guide to PT practice. Uh, and if you've not looked at the guide to PT practice 4.0, it is very holistic in nature and speaks a lot to social determinants of health and, and patient-centered care. And that was all due to, to feedback and comments from, from council membership. Uh, and it all went through in, in the updates to the guide. Um, other, pub- other publications, Delphi studies, stuff like that, you know, are biggest issue as a council where our membership is, is over 900 
is is really lack of resources to, to get things done. And that being one of our main goals was to facilitate the creation of of works, right? Resources for clinicians and educators to use uh, within their practice or within their teaching roles. And without the resources and, and again, funding really to, to put together stuff, it's been challenging to push things forward. Um, there's been changes with APTA where the council is changing into an engagement a group, a network per se, where our ability to interact and do things has become limited even even more. So what's happening um, and currently in the works and should be finalized by CSM is that our group of individuals um, that have been working together on various projects throughout the years are, are shifting where we call home. And that's going to be within the Academy of Leadership Innovation, uh, within Ally. Uh, so we are in the, the current works of forming a population health uh, special interest group within their academy that we will then start working out of um, in terms of creating resources, uh, partnering with other um, sections and academies, right? So for AOPT, right, y'all had just approved and created the, is it a EIG? Am I saying that right? Mm, a, uh, no, no, it's an engagement or, community as well. Is the, engagement community. Okay, yeah. So a, AOPT's got its new engagement community, right, specific to health promotion. So in creation of our, of our new um, Pop Health SIG and Ally, we've got full intention to, to make sure that all of us are still communicating and on the same page. So having those direct ties to AOPT, having direct ties to, you know, the health promotion SIG that lives in geriatrics, the health promotion committee that lives in neuro, um, really trying to to get the things done that we've tried to in the council in the past, uh, but now having full support of allies leadership um, to get those things done on, on a larger um, framework of a population health approach, which includes components of health behaviors and everything as well. Um, I'm excited for it. Yeah. To, to yeah. Be able to actually get some stuff done uh, produce works and really, in, in a lot of instances, branch outside of the PT profession and make connections with other entities and other professionals. Because when it comes to serving that person, right, it's just not what a phys- physical therapist does. It's what every provider is doing that interacts with that person or community member or, or community servant that interacts with that person. So we've got to start connecting with other people. Mm-hmm. If we want to actually start serving the whole person, um, and to hear that there, there's going to kind of be this this central area in ALI makes a lot of sense to me, and I think that's great. And I think you're hitting on something that a lot of different groups um, across APTA and, uh, and across our profession are finding that that their home uh, isn't necessarily one place. That there's things like concussion care, for example, that, that hits ortho, it hits sports, it hits neuro and, and ortho sports and neuro are these three different entities in APTA. So it makes it, it makes it tough. And I think you're, you're seeing the same thing with, with health promotion and wellness that, that, uh, it really, it touches every single academy and section. This goes across all specialties. Uh, yeah. it, it transcends, transcends for sure. I'd like to have a super sig, right? If they would let me create a super sig that would take over and, and, and really intentionally cross all boundaries, uh, then you'd be able to get a lot more done. But you know, it's yeah, got got to have structures and but and hopefully the 
the structures uh, positively impact things instead of negatively impact things. Um, but, you know, I mean, I just love the, the work that, that that group is doing and that you're doing with PT in the community. I mean, when we look at today's healthcare landscape and the way, the way we pay for healthcare and the way people get healthcare and the way that we as professionals deliver healthcare, I mean, I, I just keep coming back to this idea that physical therapy is so uniquely situated to, to just really fix things and make such an impact on the problems that we have, you know, across our country in, in health today. And when you talk about like health promotion and wellness and PT in the community, I mean, this is really, this is like the bread and butter of PT and, and what we should be doing. It, I mean, it, it really is. And we've got the, the knowledge and the skill set to, to be in the space and to provide higher quality care. You know, and, and I'll certainly give credit to, um, you know, Mike Eisenhart and, and kind of the, the concept, the idea of physical therapists really should be in the position of playing the role of the quarterback in the healthcare system. You know, because if you think of where and why people are entering the healthcare system, uh, most often it's, it's likely low back pain or something musculoskeletal related, right? That's why they're going to the ER. That's why they want to see their doc. So if we were in that position where we can play quarterback and we can triage, right, it, it's a totally different game in, in that we can prevent overutilization of healthcare services. We can direct people where they need to be, right? And, and that's the biggest part is that a physical therapist doesn't need to know everything. You've got to know the basics of how to screen and identify a need. And then you've got to know in your local community where to direct that person or what resources to provide them with if you're not able to carry on that conversation. That's the biggest challenge that we've got. Um, and, and that's what my other, you know, myself entering into the education field is trying to figure out a way to educate physical therapy students and how to triage and how to incorporate more holistic uh, care practices. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm like, I'm, I'm just a couple of few, couple of years two and a half years into, into my own practice where I've, I've left the, I was a traveling PT for a long time and then ended up working for a hospital around here and, and started my own practice. And what I found in that is that I, I, in one way I've broken down the barriers to my care. There's not the, the bureaucracy around me to, to stop me from doing anything that's in my scope of practice, um, which, which has improved my ability to practice like PTs are trained to practice and, and enhanced my my fervor for like making sure that we're involved in advocacy and legislation to, to make sure that PTs are allowed to practice like they want to practice. But then I also I, I have run into the challenge of running a business and not necessarily being accessible to everybody in my community and and like trying to navigate the challenges of of okay, I can serve this person over here, but now how do I how do I serve this neighbor over here? And there's certainly some interesting um, models out there that, that kind of try and solve that problem. Um, you know, a, a, a huge shout out to a buddy of mine, Ryan in Kentucky, PhilanthropyT. The model that he has set up strives to address that in that for every X amount of people that he's seeing at traditional, his traditional prices, he's serving underserved individuals. Right. So he's designed a model where he can balance and he can manage serving a very large number of underserved individuals um, kind of floating 
um, from those who are able to afford those services, right? So there's models out there. Um, there's others out there that I've seen outside of Atlanta um, that that do it as well, where it's a you know a tiered a tiered system based on uh, poverty levels, right? Like based on your your own income level. These are the prices that you you'll pay for services. Um, if you're not utilizing insurance. So sometimes you just got to think outside of the box and how you can um, make it work to, to see those people, right? Because that's the biggest thing is when you think of those underserved, it's, you know, it's, it's trying to create that model where you, your time and your expertise isn't at 100% of, of volunteerism because, you know, we've, we've all have our own families at home that we've got to support as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's, I, I, I I think it's tricky and tough because we're fighting so hard to, to get reimbursed and paid what we deserve um, to get reimbursed and paid for for our education level and our uniqueness of service and, and how we save the whole system money. Um, and and we need to be paid to support ourselves. But at the same time, we, we are a, a, a health care uh, provider and and. And I believe that we need to be accessible to people as well. And and it sounds like, you know, there's these models out there that kind of balance those two things. And, and maybe we need to be doing more to promote those models. And it's challenging, you know, because it, it always comes down to the, the community that you're in, because those models may work in one community, but they might not in, in another, you know, and that's that's very true when it comes to providing, you know, um, more holistic services or, or providing health promotion services or, or some of those things that are a la carte when, when people try and get into the wellness space that, you know, some things just won't work in certain communities and it's based on that need. And that's why I'm again, a huge proponent in needing to do community needs assessments and figure out what the need is because you can have an amazing idea, but you might just live in the wrong community for that idea. Right. But you've got to figure out, you've got to do the work first to determine whether or not it's feasible where you're at. Wow. Well, I think I think that's a really important conversation. I'm glad we somehow ended up there. Uh, but I want to give you kind of one last chance. Anything anything you wish we had had a, a shot to talk about or, or anything we, we left on the table that could be mentioned? I don't know. I think we did a pretty good job. I mean, my thing was, again, getting PT in the community uh, information out there. Uh, again, looking at what's coming in terms of the, the population health uh, SIG through Ally and, and again, trying to find ways to standardize and disseminate information when it comes to population health, health promotion, prevention, wellness, et cetera, uh, because clinicians and educators need it, right? They need that information to improve their practice patterns. And really it's the educators that need the information to improve what's being disseminated to, uh, to DPT students. Um, because that's where I've, that's where I found that's one of the many contributing factors as to why physical therapists don't think like this. And it's because their education models don't, um, don't foster it. Right. And, and that's what I've really strived to do within my institution is to, to thread and be super intentional in, in bringing up the conversation around social terms of health, health behaviors, and, and how that stuff impacts patient care. And how it opens doors for you to, to get in a community space and to do other things. But you've got to think differently. You can't think about the, the isolated knee pain or the, or the, you know, the, the ACL or the, or the 
that's a huge adhesive capsulitis on the shoulder. You, you got to think about more than, than just that impairment. And, awesome. and patients appreciate it. Well, let's leave it there. We'll make sure uh, all the information about PT in the community is uh, is attached to this episode. And I, I would beg people to, as you look at your busy CSM schedule and all the options of, uh, of different groups and, and academies and sections and SIGs and uh, engagement communities and, and all of that, that you consider uh, chiseling out some time for PT in the community uh, while you're uh, in Boston at CSM. Thank you so much, Patrick. Um, to the audience, you know, my first interview, first time interviewing somebody, and and I promise we'll we'll get better, we'll get slicker, but but I think that was a great start, and I, I appreciate you being here, Patrick.